Good morning. Uh, welcome again. If you're just joining us, thank you for for tuning in with us today and a happy new year again. I'm sure you're tired of hearing that at this point, but happy new year. Uh, so thankful to uh, be with us this first Sunday of the new year. And it's not just the new year, obviously, that we're celebrating. There's a lot of new things happening with our church, right? We're looking for a new preaching minister. We're doing a new building project. And I know that sometimes a lot of us don't like new things. Uh, but I, from what I hear and just the, the staff and the leadership and the church members, people are excited. And I'm so thankful to be a part of the church that's excited about looking towards the future and what we can do to bring God's kingdom here on earth and be part of this community that we're in here in Melbourne. So Happy New Year. Uh, looking forward to the future with you all uh, this year. So obviously with, with New Year's being here, the common thing to do uh, is to have a New Year's resolution. And I don't know if you started one. If you have, good luck uh, as you kind of start start fresh here in the new year. Uh, but this morning we're going to talk about resolutions, but kind of in a different light. So normally, you know, you have a resolution, you have a goal that you set yourself to change a behavior or to change something in your life. And I just want to say that's a very good idea. I think we should all be setting goals and trying to grow ourselves and try to become something more in, in, in whatever field or whatever area you want to grow in. But today I want to emphasize something different. So the, the sermon title is New Year, Same Me, and I want to emphasize the same me part. Because this time of year, we overemphasize becoming something new, changing ourselves for the better. And sometimes when we overemphasize that aspect, we devalue the person that we already are. We devalue the person that God has already been doing something in. We overlook the person that we currently are, and we overlook the person that we're supposed to be sometimes. Because sometimes we set goals and things that are outside of maybe you know really helping us to grow as people, whatever it might be, and we forget, okay, who has God created me and me alone to be? You know, there's obviously goals that pretty much anybody can do and, and aspire to do, and those are all good things. But today I want to focus on who has God created you to be? What is your true and authentic self that you can lean into deeper this year in 2021? New year, same me. You know, New Year's Day is just another day. And it is a good launching point to start a new diet or a reading program, whatever it might be. But it's also a time to, to reflect and, and see, okay, God, what did you do for me last year? How did I become more of my true and authentic self last year? And how can I be more of my authentic self this year? And what I mean by authentic self is tapping into the person that God created you and you alone to be. And we're going to talk more about that. We're going to flesh that out here in a little bit. But before we get to that, I want to talk about authenticity. And I think Luke chapter 18 is a good place to start. Luke 18 beginning in verse 9. Let's get to verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, 
and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I think of this passage as kind of a barometer for authenticity because of the characters that Jesus uses. Uses, excuse me. Uh, he uses the Pharisee and the tax collector, people that that are you know commonly referred to in the Gospels, right? When we think about the Pharisees, we don't think about you know the best human beings on earth, right? The Pharisees are the people who are always on Jesus' case. And Jesus is kind of always on their case as well. Jesus frequently calls out the Pharisees as hypocrites. He even calls them whitewashed tombs, right? Being this clean outside and this dead inside. These fake people. He calls them vipers. He calls them pretty much all the bad insults you could have had at that time, right? So we know the Pharisees. The Pharisees were rule makers, right? They, they had the law of Moses and the laws that they followed, and they would add extra ones onto that. They were very, very much, I don't know, loved the idea of being in control of the situation and, and creating rules to better fit whatever they wanted to do. And we also know about tax collectors, right? We know about the tax collectors would go around and they would collect money, their taxes, uh, for Caesar, and then they would add a little bit extra for themselves. Right? If it was $15 tax, they might collect 20 and pocket that extra $5. That's how they made a living. So you have these two characters who are almost by nature or inherently inauthentic people. You have these whitewashed tomb Pharisees, these clean on the outside but dead on the inside. And you have these tax collectors who are almost shamelessly inauthentic, right? Who you know exactly what they're doing when they go door to door and they ask you for your money. You have these two people being lifted up one, not so much in a favorable light, and the other one that is usually not in a favorable light is being lifted up. So we have the Pharisee who says these things, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And even as he's saying these things, it does not seem authentic. And maybe I'm just reading into this, right? In all these things that he says, they could be very true. Like he could do all these things. He could fast twice a week. He could, you know, tithe uh, a tenth of all he gets. He might do those things. But from my experience, usually when people have to tell you all the good things they do in order to seem good, they're not really that good of people, right? If they have to tell you all the good things they do, that doesn't make much sense. And sometimes when people, you know, they go on and on about the things that they do or the things that they accomplish, their heart's not really in it. You know, you can see them saying, well, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. What good do you do? Surely you don't do more than I do. <laughs> I know we're not, you know, I'm reading it that way. That might not be the way he said it, but that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting. And I think that's the vibe we've gotten from the Pharisees, you know, throughout the Gospels. That they, are, they are people who are clean on the outside, but maybe dead on the inside. Not all of them, but some, right? So that's the response of the Pharisee in this situation. And let's look at what the tax collector does. The tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. We have the two polar opposites here. These two people are usually kind of the, the bad guys in the story. But here we have the Pharisee being the inauthentic self, the one verbally proclaiming to people saying, oh, how good am I? 
you have the inauthentic self and you have the true self, the authentic self. The inauthentic wants to show the world all the good things while the authentic self recognizes how false those things can be. And this isn't just a Pharisee and tax collector problem. We have these exact same problems today. The list is not written down anywhere, but a few things that I came up with is that we always have to be right. How many times have you told a story or, or said something and someone says, oh, I know. You know, it said, whatever it might be, you know, if you're talking about a sports, you know, a, a game, or if you're talking about a scientist, whatever it might be, you're telling a story and say, oh, I already know that. It's so frustrating because today in our society, we always have to be right. We always have to know, right? We always have to be busy. One of my lead, I, I, I stopped doing this. Well, at least I try to stop doing this. And I probably have. You can probably call me on this. Um, but a lot of times people want to say how early they wake up, right? If you like are in a group of people and say, man, I'm tired. And they'll say, oh, you're tired? I was up this morning at 4 a.m. mowing the grass. I don't know, whatever it might be. Getting work done. They're, they have to be busy. They have to be busier than you are. Oh, you think you're busy? I'm busier than you are. We always have to be busy. And the list could go on and on. There's these things that we always have to be and show the world that we are good. Show the world that we are right. And the more that we pile those things on, the less authentic we become to ourselves and to other people. Because I don't know if you've experienced this, but the, but the more people tell me all the things that they do and all the good things, whatever it might be, the less I believe what they say, right? Uh, because it just seems to be less and less authentic the more they go on and on about their righteousness. And uh, this is something that, that we struggle with in the church. You know, I went, to a, I went to Harding University, a private Christian university. I was in the Bible department. And there were a lot of guys who would just talk about the things that they did. And it just did not seem to be coming from a place of they wanted to please God with their actions. They wanted to please their classmates with their actions. And the more that we stack up this inauthenticity, we begin to lose sight of our authentic self. The more that we want to try to be like that other person who has this list of things they're great at, all these, whatever it might be, these characteristics, these skills, and we want to, we want to strive and strive to be more and more like them, we lose sight of the person that God created us to be. We overlook our own gifts and wish to be something completely different. And that's a problem. That's why I'm saying new year, same me. You are still going to be you and we need to celebrate and see what God created you to be and not someone else. Who did God create you, your true authentic self to be? Your gifts, your abilities, your unique you-ness. Uh, I know uh, I, I mentioned that I went to Harding and I, I, I experienced this a lot actually when I was in school, being surrounded by people who were doing amazing things. I had a lot of friends who became missionaries in Africa and Europe and, and they immediately went and just picked up their lives in the United States and went to go be missionaries. Um, and I looked at what I was doing, you know, going from university to being a youth minister, I was like, that's not as cool. <laughs> it's, it's not exactly how I felt, but that's not as, you know, I don't know, holy. We, we do it in the church all the time too, like I said. We say, oh, I could never 
preach, or I can never lead singing, or I can never, whatever it might be. When we lift up other people's gifts, we lose sight of what God created for us to do. God created you to be you. And we can't overlook that truth. Because when we, look, when we overlook that truth, we lose our, our authenticity. We lose our authentic self in the middle of it. So the question I guess we're left with is, how can I be more authentic in my faith? You know, I, I don't think anybody wants to be inauthentic, right? You don't pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for an inauthentic baseball card or an inauthentic guitar or whatever it might be. You're not going to pay money for something that you believe to be true, but when in reality you know that it's fake. And the same thing goes for our lives. We don't want to be inauthentic, but sometimes we happen to be. And when it comes to our faith, we can't make that mistake. Because sometimes with our New Year's resolutions, we can say, okay, I'm going to get the Bible app, the U version. I'm going to do the streaks. I'm going to have 365 days. And that can be fantastic. And, you know, I hope that God blesses you in that way. But if it doesn't come from a heart of saying, how can I learn to know God better through this exercise? I think that's inauthentic. It's an authentic action with an inauthentic result if we're not doing it for the right reasons. Does that make sense? So the question goes back to, like I said, how can I be more authentic in my faith? And I actually came across this when I was preparing. I read the message version of Luke chapter 18. <clears throat> and I recommend you go back. I'm just going to read a small portion of it. But this is Luke 18 verse 14. This is right after, you know, he goes through the parable of the things that they said. And this pick, picks up in verse 14. This taxman went home made right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you are content to simply be yourself, you will become more than yourself. I love that last sentence, that last part of that sentence. But if you are content to simply be yourself, you will become more than yourself. This is the self that we're talking about. One more time, because I, I, don't, I don't have a New Year's resolution per se, but this is it for me this year. But if you're content to simply be yourself, you will become more than yourself. When you are content to be the person that God created you to be, he is going to grow you into someone you never thought you could become. That is powerful. That is truth. Because when we're looking at this person and this person saying, <clears throat> how can I be more like this person? Or how can I do the things that they do? We're missing the point. What has God created you to do that those people are going to look at you and say, how on, how on earth did that person ever do those things? That's the thing that we should be excited about today. Not the generic. I mean, like I said, setting goals like this, are, I think they're important. I think they're really good to do. But at the heart of it, how is it connecting to who God created you to authentically be you? And, and I, I, I hesitate as I say this because I don't want to come across the wrong way. But I want you to think about what your brand of being Jesus is. And I know we're not trying to like, you know, be materialistic or anything. But I think it's important because, you know, when you, whenever you go into a specialty area, whether it be like tools or like food, we have our brands, Right. 
you might love a certain set of, of, of drills or you might love a certain type of popcorn, whatever it might be. We have our brands and they cannot compare to the other generic or whatever it might be. For instance, I've played golf my whole life. I love hitting Titleist Pro V1s. It feels, it, it's unparalleled, the golf ball. And I know that might sound silly because you're like, it's a, it's a little white ball. It looks exactly like that other white ball. It's way cheaper, but that's my brand. I love that. And so my question again back to you is this, what is your brand of being Jesus? Because I think that we need to see ourselves in a way that says I am unique and I bring a certain set of skills and I bring a certain set of whatever it might be to this kingdom of God on earth. For me, and this is maybe, uh, maybe I'm sharing too much, but I have a hard time hanging out with other youth ministers because I don't see myself, you know, as being the same youth minister as they are. I think I bring to the table something very different than the youth minister next door or whoever it might be. And for a long time, I struggled with that because I said, well, I'm not being a youth minister if I don't do X, Y, and Z. I'm not having a successful youth ministry if I'm not doing these things or those things. But then I stopped and I thought, actually, I think I'm exactly where I need to be. Actually, I think I'm doing the exact things that Jesus created me to do because if I were doing those things and trying to do what the other youth ministers are doing, I would be inauthentic to myself and I think I'd be doing more damage, damage to the youth ministry than any good. What is your brand of being Jesus to others? Maybe you're not a youth minister. You probably aren't if you're, if you're watching this. Um, but what is your brand? What do you do that brings Jesus into, into other people's lives the only way that you can do it? I read a book, um, I think it was Philip Yancey. He talks about what would Jesus be like if he were you? I know that sounds a lot like what would Jesus do, but just bear with me. So what would Jesus do if he was a 28-year-old guy today? What would Jesus do if he was a 35-year-old woman? What, if, what would Jesus do if he was a 75-year-old man? Whatever you are, what would Jesus do if he were you? And a caveat to that is what kind of things are you currently doing that only you can do that brings Jesus into the life of others? That true and authentic self, not something that, you've, that you're trying to workshop or, or, or grow into. What do you do that brings value to the kingdom of God today? And you might be saying, well... Nothing. I highly doubt that to be true. I highly doubt that Jesus is not actively using you right now. You might not be aware of it, but Jesus is using you. What brand are you bringing? What do you bring to the table that is so authentically you that it should be celebrated? New Year, same me. What is that same you that is so awesome that's going to bring other people to know who Jesus is? How can you start 2021 being more of that person to other people? And before we end, I do want to kind of acknowledge that this might be a tough question. You might have no idea why you are the person that you are or why you think or do or whatever it might be the way that you do it. And that's okay because I think it takes time to recognize your true authentic self. I'm not, I'm not completely there yet. I think it's a lifetime. I think it is a lifetime goal to see who God created you to be. Excuse me. 
So it's great to have goals. It's great to have these things that we're reaching towards. But if we can't come to Jesus and just, and just as I am, just as the sinner, just humbly as I am, we're never going to grow into something else. And my, I guess, charge for you is find out what that is. And if you don't know, please seek someone that can help you. I love being on this journey with people. I've found different tools and different resources that have helped me to understand who God has created me to be. And I'm telling like 2020 has been crazy, but my life is different because I had time to search and find out who God created me to be. I, like I said, I'm not there yet, but I was able to spend time and learn and, and come to know myself in a much deeper way than I never would have been able to do without this year. So if you don't know who you are, I know that's a weird question, but if you don't know what your true and authentic self is, please reach out. We can help you along this journey because I think that is what Jesus wants for you in your life. Not just a small you know, goal to just you know, pray every day or read your Bible. Those things are great. But God wants you to know who you are, who he created you to be, and to live that experience like nobody else can. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time, and God, help us to realize who you created us all to be. We're so thankful that you've created us to be unique, and you've created us to have these gifts and abilities that it's hard to put words to. God, help us to live as our authentic selves this year in 2021. Because when we are content at being ourselves, when we are content at coming before your throne just as we are, just as the sinners that we are, that is when you can grow us into something that we never thought we could become. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.